With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. Back to throw is Darnold. Looks left, has time, looks over the middle. Fires one down the left sideline towards the end zone. Robbie Anderson, he's got it! That's a Jet touchdown. Darnold takes the snap. Looks right, throws right up the middle. He's got the ball, pal. In stride at the 15, at the 10. He's into the end zone. That's a Jet touchdown. Sam Darnold hit him in stride. Winning a Super Bowl is everyone's goal. Everyone on the team wants to win a Super Bowl. Anything short of that is a failure. And whatever my role is, I'm going to star in that role to work us towards that Super Bowl. One, two, three. The What's going on? Hope this first week of November is treating you well. Welcome to the debut edition of the all-new Gangrene Nation podcast. I'm your host, Michael Nania. You might know me from my writing at gangrenenation.com. I've also appeared on the amazing Locked on Jets podcast with John Butchko quite a bit over the past few months, and I'm really excited to get this new pod underway. As I mentioned, we already have one tremendous podcast dropping at GGN with John's Locked on Jets show, and that's not going to be changing. You'll still be getting that just as frequently, but starting with this episode, I'll be hopping aboard as yet another tremendous Jets podcast coming your way from Gangrene Nation. I'll definitely be coming out with at least one episode per week, hopefully around two to three most weeks. We'll see how it plays out. But either way, once again, I'm really pumped to get this show underway and bring you some of the highest quality, most unbiased, in-depth, facts-based analysis you'll get on the Jets anywhere. So with that, with this first episode, I want to go over a weekly series of articles that I've been coming out with throughout the season at Gangry Nation. I just released a new one this week, and it's a weekly Jets roster power rankings in which I rank my opinions on the top 10 performing Jets over the course of the season, taking into account the net positive impact that they've had on the team over the course of the year, taking into account their worst games, their best games, just the overall impact they've had on the team, stacking them up each and every week. So I, I want to talk about the rankings I put out today with the first half of the season now in the books, how I'm stacking up the top 10 most impactful players on the team. So at number 10, I have Isaiah Crowell, who last week I had number nine, so a one spot drop for him. So for Crowell, I think at this point, he's kind of hanging on by a thread on the strength of his two tremendous games that he has had in the Detroit game and the Denver game. In those two games, he's averaged 161 yards in those two games on 12.8 yards per carry. Obviously, the Denver game, he set the Jets' record for single-game rushing and also set the NFL record for yards per carry in a game with at least 15 attempts. So and this is something we talked about with Crowell before the season. He's a boomer bust guy. When the holes are there, he has really good breakaway speed. When he gets a full head of steam, he's a hard guy to bring down. So when the blocking's there, what he can bring you, the upside that he has with his big playability, is at an elite level. But the downside of that is the bus part of his boomer bus profile is that 
when the blocking isn't there, he struggles to make something out of nothing. And with the Jets having an offensive line that really struggles to run block, you're seeing the bust part of Crowell quite a bit. He's among the league leaders in stuffs. And outside of those two games, he's averaged 27 yards per game on 2.7 yards per carry in the other six games the Jets have played. So overall, his numbers look decent. 16.5 yards per game, 5.1 yards per carry, five touchdowns. Those are really good numbers, but those are really ballooned by his two really good games because in the other six games, he has not helped the Jets get much going when they really needed a run game to kind of get the offense going, especially last week against the Bears. And also, his pass protection has been an issue on the season. I've Crowell credited for eight pressures allowed over 17 reps in pass protection to compare Bilal Powell this season before he went out, had the same amount of protection snaps, allowed only one pressure. And three of those pressures from Crowell are sacks. And that's tied for the second most on the entire team, including the offensive line. So yeah, with Crowell, he's given you the high upside that you want to get from him. But on the downside, you've also seen quite a bit of stuffs. Uh, His pass protection has struggled. He hasn't produced much as a receiver. So he's pretty much been who you expected the Jets were getting when they signed him. And Losing Powell isn't ideal. Hopefully, uh, Elijah Maguire can fill in Powell's production, but I think Crowell's been about who you expected him to be. So moving on from Crowell, at number nine, I have Leonard Williams, kind of low for him in terms of his, in terms of how he stacks up on the roster talent-wise. I had him seventh last week, and I wrote about Williams a lot last week about how his impact off the statue. At some point, you have to start producing splash plays that you can see because Yes, those plays do matter. They absolutely matter. Pressures, quarterback hits, uh, filling up, filling gaps in the run game and green plays for his teammates. And that's something Leonard Williams has done quite a bit in his career. But this season, it's just been a down year for him. And this is a year you want to see Williams elevate from good to great. He has been a good player. Absolutely. Over his first three seasons, Williams, he had 106 run stuffs, which is tackles for two yards or less and no first downs. He had 106 of those his first three seasons. That was second most in the entire league behind his former teammate, Snacks, Harrison. So yeah, over his first three seasons, Williams, there's no doubt about it. He was a very, very good player. But this is a guy who was drafted six overall as an interior defensive lineman at a a position the Jets were already strong at. So you want to see him be great, not just good. He has that expectation tagged to him, especially because he was really lauded as possibly the best player in that draft. And he hasn't been that. And you thought this year might be the year that he finally does take that leap. He's still young, only 24 years old. And this is fourth season, but this has actually been a down year for him. Like I said, among the leaders and run stuffs over the past three years, but this year he only has seven run stuffs over the first uh, half of the season that places him outside the top 140 in the entire league. That's actually less than both Steve McClendon and Henry Anderson, despite leading the defensive line and snaps. So, it's been a down year for Williams. Hopefully he can bounce back in the second half. And it he's making it really tough on the Jets in terms of the decision on whether or not to extend him because you got a really good player. You know that he's talented. The upside is there. He's going to draw attention from the other team. He does draw a few double teams, but I do think the double team argument is kind of overblown. It's not like he's double teamed every play. Like, for example, against... The last in the last game against Chicago, I saw him doubled on five pass rushing snaps. So yeah, in terms of how that stacks up against the rest of the league, it's a decent rate. But Williams still didn't create one pressure in that game. So 
he's struggling right now, and the Jets are going to have a tough decision come time to make the, the call on whether to extend him or not. So moving on from Williams, at number eight, I have Chris Herndon, the rookie tight end, making his debut on the list. And this is, I'm kind of surprised to see him here after the way he started the season. He looked really raw. He had quite a few drops. His route running was shaky, but he's come along really quickly. And his receiving ability's kind of caught up to his blocking ability. And pass protection, I've had him pass protecting on 20 snaps this year and only allowing one pressure. So he's been really strong in that phase. And his run blocking isn't at the level of his pass blocking yet, but it's getting there. And as a blocker, he's definitely shown that, but his receiving's finally catching up. He's now scored in three straight games with his touchdown against the Bears. And that's pretty rare for a rookie tight end to do. Since 2000, he's only the fourth rookie tight end to score in three straight games in the first half of his debut season. The only other guys to do that were Heath Miller, Hunter Henry, and Evan Engram. So that's a pretty good group of guys there to be mentioned with. And, and comparing him to the feudal history of the position with the Jets, he's the first tight end to do that for the Jets in three straight games scoring in three straight games since Dustin Keller in 2010. So Chris Herndon has definitely been a really promising development for the Jets this year. And I really would like to see him be a more focal point of the offense going forward. He's only played about 54% of the offensive snaps this season. And that's actually gone down over the past three games in which he scored these touchdowns. He played 50% against the bears and was under 40% in the previous two games. So yeah, I definitely like to see Herndon be more involved, especially with the injuries at wide receiver. And the thing that I really like about Herndon's receiving ability is that sometimes you see guys rack up receiving production where maybe they get it at the end of games where it's not competitive. Maybe they're just benefiting from coverage busts. That's not what Herndon's doing. He's winning matchups in in man-to-man matchups against linebackers, against safeties. He's beating people with his route running downfield. He's done that on both of his touchdowns over the past couple weeks, and that is something that you don't see from Jets tight ends. It's something that, like I mentioned Dustin Keller earlier, something you really haven't seen since him, really, in a Jets uniform. So Herndon's been really positive. The pass protection has been great. His run blocking's catching up. His receiving is really improving really quickly after some of the mistakes he had earlier in the year. So really positive development from Chris Herndon. So moving on, number seven, I have Henry Anderson, highest ranked defensive lineman on the list ahead of Leonard Williams. I mentioned earlier in less snaps than Leonard Williams and Henry Anderson is not a guy known for his run defense, but eight run stuffs for Henry Anderson, two and a half sacks. He had a quarterback hit leading to Darren Lee's pick six in the Detroit game and three pass deflections for Henry Anderson. So that's a lot of production and playing only about half of the snaps as a rotational D lineman. And he's been a really solid pickup and he quietly was pretty good as a Colt. Obviously the Colts have struggled the past couple of years. So a rotational D lineman for the Colts is not going to get a lot of attention, but he was solid there. The question was, was always injuries. He has had a lot of problems staying on the field there. He only played about half of his possible games in Indianapolis, but he stayed healthy as a jet and he's, kind of been the best interior pass rusher they've had ahead of Leonard Williams. He's a quick guy for a deep interior D lineman, and he takes advantage of that ability to find his way through the A gaps, through the B gaps, beating interior offensive linemen and creating a lot of pressure up the middle. He's been really solid for them this season. Ideally, uh, a a rotational D lineman who plays 
half the snaps of your team. Ideally, he's not one of your best players, but that is the situation the Jets are kind of in right now with the talent on their roster. But Henry Anderson has been very positive for them this season. So moving on from Anderson, number six, I have Darren Lee. So I think coming off of the Bears game, there's not too much different to say about him compared to what the story has been all season. His coverage has been great. He's improved to one of the best cover linebackers in the NFL, and that's what you wanted out of him when the Jets drafted him in the first round. He's a smallish linebacker. He's one one of the most athletic guys at the position in the league, but also one of the smallest. So when you draft a guy like him in the first round, it was definitely a pick that was supposed to kind of help the Jets uh, play the kind of defense that Todd Bowles wanted to play, wants to play. Uh, adapt to the modern tendencies of the NFL in which running backs have gotten really involved in the pass game. And over the first couple years, Lee wasn't really living up to that. He struggled as much in coverage as he did with his run defense. But now he's finally starting to come into his own. You're seeing him see plays before they happen, break on plays before the pass is made, and run really efficient routes to the ball as a tackler and coverage. And overall, He's been really great just in terms of his numbers and coverage as well. Against the Bears, he only yielded one catch for 10 yards, no first downs allowed in that game. And you look at his numbers over the course of the year. He's allowed 12 first downs and 256 yards on 42 targets. That's 6.1 yards a target and a 29% first down rate. Both of those numbers are tremendous. And he's got 13 tackles in the past game for five yards or less and no first down. That's the most in the entire league. So that just shows you his developing ability to make plays in the flat on running backs, finish with strong tackles and just keep things short of the sticks. You're not always going to make a huge play in the backfield or always make, always force a fumble or come up with a pick. You're not always going to get those plays, but your job as a linebacker is to limit the damage. And he's done that tremendously. And his run defense can still catch up. I see him washed out at the second level quite a bit, and he does a good job staying with his assignments, attacking his gaps. But the thing that he struggles with is in the past game, like I mentioned, he's he's seen things before they happen and his instincts have been much improved in that phase. And that really hasn't translated to the run game yet. I still think he's a liability there. Like I said, even though he does do a nice job sticking to his gaps, he's not making a lot of plays in the run game as much as he is in the past game. And Despite that, he does still have 10 run stuffs, which is second on the team. But overall, I think you've got to be really happy with his uh, progression in the past game. We'll see how the Jets handle his contract situation going forward. But what you want to see from him this season is it's a lot to expect a guy to jump from a liability to a star. But he has become a pretty major asset in the passing game, which is obviously in the increasingly pass-happy NFL Probably the more important side of the ball, you want to see your linebackers thrive, especially a smaller weak side linebacker like Lee. He is thriving there, so maybe the run defense catches up. Maybe it doesn't, but you got to like the improvement you've seen from Lee there, and he's been one of the better players on the defense. So number five, finally he's here, Sam Darnold. I have in the top five, not near the top like some people may think he has been, but the thing with Darnold, I really like what he did against the Bears. He leaps from, I had him 10th on the list last week, and he jumps to 5th after posting only 153 yards last week, which is the season low. So the reason I think Darnold deserves to jump that high after that game is that I thought he actually had one of his better games of the year despite that stat line. Those were extremely unfavorable conditions he was playing in on the road 
against a great defense with zero help on offense at all. The receivers could not get open. Obviously, they had a ton of injuries there. Uh, the pass protection was not good, mostly because of the running backs. But either way, in situations like that, rookie quarterbacks, very often they're going to try to do too much, and they self-destruct. They lose the game for their team before it even begins. And Darnold did not do that. He took what was given to him. He minimized the damage, posted his second zero pick game of the year. And even though the, his previous zero pick game was the Jaguars game, but that was really misleading because there were a lot of plays that should have been interceptions in that game that he was lucky weren't. But this was a true zero pick game, I thought. There were a couple risky throws, but no plays that should have been interceptions. He kept the ball safe. He only took one sack despite being, like I said, under as much pressure as he's been under this year. And he usually threw the ball away instead of launching it into danger. Every now and then, he creates some offense, too. He rushed for, a career, for an early season high, 22 yards. He made a few nice plays outside the pocket. And his touchdown throw to Herndon, that was money. That was one of those throws where you're like, this is why this guy can be special. That was a throw that was not easy. The window was tight. If it was a little bit higher, a little bit lower, a little bit later, that's not a touchdown. So it was that kind of throw. And it didn't even seem like that watching it live. But you look at the replay, it was just a perfect throw across his body to the front left pylon to Herndon. So thanks to his performance, the Jets somehow managed to stay within one score until late into the fourth quarter in a game in which they were extremely overmatched talent-wise, and Darnold easily could have panicked and gift-wrapped the struggling Bears offense, field position, points, momentum, but he didn't do that. And, you know, am I going to start planning a parade for that Darnold performance? Absolutely not. But he simply did a nice job executing to the best of his ability in harsh conditions and increased the team's chances of victory as much as he really could, given the circumstances. So, over the year, I've hesitated to rank Darnold too high in the list since, after all, he's tied for the league lead in picks with 10. His 74.5 quarterback rating is ahead of only Josh Rosen and Josh Allen, so it's hard to say he's been a legit stud quarterback just yet due to the down games he had in Cleveland and Jacksonville and against Minnesota, struggling with his accuracy and making smart decisions with the ball. But stats are of little matter for rookies. Everyone knows that. Everyone brings up Peyton Manning and all the interceptions he threw as a rookie. Obviously, more recently, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff had struggles in their rookie years, but what matters are his high points, the glimpses of potential that he shows you. He's the only rookie in the history of the NFL to throw for two-plus passing touchdowns and over nine yards per attempt three times in his first six games. It's never been done before, and he's one of only four rookies, along with Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, and Deshaun Watson, to throw over eight passing touchdowns and win three-plus games in their first six NFL starts. And also you look back at the past decade of rookies and the first-year starters whose numbers most closely matched Darnold's over the first half of their rookie seasons are Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan. Those three, number, those three guys, their numbers in the first half of their rookie seasons, almost identical to Darnold's in terms of touchdowns, interceptions, completion percentage, just across the board – those guys look pretty similar to Darnold did. And when you look at the overall crop of rookies, there are guys who have turned out to be worse than Darnold, who had better starts, guys who have had great careers, who were way worse than Darnold to start off. So oh, it's pretty meaningless in terms of its predictive value. But the thing with Sam, he's shown you that I think he's every bit looked the part of the guy that you want to see him become down the line. So enjoy the process. Sam's going to get there. 
He's had his ups and downs this year, as you'd expect, but his highs have been very high. And like I said, he looks every bit like he will be what we want him to be. Once he gets a year of experience under his belt and the team gets him some help on the offensive side of the ball. So moving on into the top four at the four spot, I have Morris Claiborne falling down from, I had number two last week, but Claiborne has not had that game yet in which he has been completely demolished and picked apart by the opposing offense, but he's kind of inching closer to that. He continues to do a solid job overall, but the miscues he's benefited from are piling up pretty quickly while his overall production has dipped over the past three weeks. Over those past three games, he allowed 142 yards, two touchdowns, and six first downs compared to the first five weeks of the season in which he allowed only 135 yards, no touchdowns, and just eight first downs over those five games. So He's taking, he's slowly take, trickling down a little bit. And like I said, he is benefiting from some overthrown passes, from some drops. But with one half in the books, you can't help but be enthused with what Claiborne has brought to the table. I've been tagged for allowing only 54 pass rating in his direction this season. He's made a lot of great plays on the ball. He's taken the deep pass away. But the question once again with Claiborne is, can he keep it going for eight more games? Last season, you will remember that in the number one role for the Jets for the entire season. He had a pretty good first half last season too, but then he had a minor midseason injury, missed one game, came back, and struggled in the second half. So we'll have to see if Claiborne can keep this going over the second half of the season. But in terms of what he's brought to them so far, he's made that one-year contract look pretty smart for the Jets. So moving into the top three, at number three, I have Avery Williamson, the free agent, Inside linebacker they signed over from Tennessee. He's the best run defender on the Jets, and it doesn't really seem close. He consistently just does his job the right way. He, he's filled the Demario Davis role very well. He knows how to fill his gaps. And I talked earlier about Darren Lee. He does a decent job filling his gaps, but what he doesn't do is make the instinctive plays getting to the ball. Williamson makes those plays. He eats up space in the trenches, makes uh, creates opportunities for his teammates, and he makes really impressive plays to the ball holding plays to five yards that could potentially be 20. Plays like that that you don't that don't stand out as much in terms of splash plays, but he just does the job really well. And he's in terms of his playmaking, too, he's already tied his career high with four passes defended. He's on pace to set a new career high in tackles for loss. He's got four of those already. And he's on pace to set a new career high in total tackles with 56 of those. And in coverage, that was a question mark with him. I think he's done a pretty decent job so far. He gave up three first downs against the Bears in coverage, and that was a season high. So for three first downs to be a season high, that's pretty good. He doesn't take on the same role as Darren Lee does. Lee takes on a lot of man-to-man matchups against tight ends, running backs. Williamson rarely does that. He's usually playing zone in the middle of the field, but I think he's done a good job in that role, keeping quiet enough in that phase of the game to complement his run defense and improving splash playmaking that we've seen from him this season. He's easily been their best free agent signing of the previous offseason. And he's a player who has a really good shot to last the entirety of his deal and bring positive impact every step of the way. So moving into the top two, highest ranked offensive player on the list. And this this isn't going to be a surprise. And you can call me the president of this guy's fan club, Brandon Shell at number two. I think he's been great this season. He's had a tremendous year after He finished 2016 his rookie season strong, and he earned the starting right tackle job last year, but he really struggled in the first half of 2017, and he battled some injuries, but once he came back, he finished strong in the second half of 2017, and 
he's built off of that strong finish and then some. And run blocking was his major weakness, but he's legitimized that part of his game as he's getting off the line quicker. He's hitting spots in the open field with authority. He's an athletic guy, and the Jets are taking advantage of that, getting him out on the move, and he's made a lot of plays in space as a run blocker. But in pass protection, is that was his strength over his first two years, and he's gone from pretty decent for the most part to now he's a stalwart in pass protection. Since a nightmare of a performance in Jacksonville week four, I tagged him for six pressures allowed in that game. He was obliterated in that game. It was kind of a step back for him off of the progression he showed in the preseason over the first few weeks. But since then, he's only allowed six, by my count, only six more pressures over the next four games combined. And Pro Football Focus actually has him credited for only four pressures allowed in that span, which they say is the second best pressure, second lowest pressure rate allowed among right tackles over the previous four weeks. So on the year, I've shell tagged for only two sacks allowed, one knockdown allowed, and 15 additional pressures allowed for a pressure rate of 6.6%, which is very impressive for a right tackle. So between Shell, Darnold, and Herndon, the Jets should come out of 2018 feeling very confident in at least three of their homegrown offensive pieces. So number one spot on the list was first last week and is in first for, I believe, the fifth straight week, Jamal Adams. And there's not really any debate here. I don't think anyone who has watched the Jets consistently this year would debate this. Adams has been the best Jet in the first half of the season. And I think he's on a bit of a cold stretch over the past couple games. He's missed on a few tackles. He's made some mistakes in run defense. But regardless, he goes out the first half as the unquestioned best performer on the roster. His run defense is even better than it was last year. It, that was his strength in 2017. and But now he's arguably become one of the few best safeties in the box in the league. Pro Football Focus has him credited with 16 run stops. That's three more than any other safety in the whole league. And his playmaking has also taken a step up. He's already forced two, four, he's already forced two fumbles this year after forcing only one last year. And he's not six passes defended to match his season-long total last year. So he's on pace to double that mark in coverage. And speaking of coverage, that's where he's been most improved. This is still an area where he can improve, especially, I think, in zone coverage. He can react a little bit quicker, make some better reads there. But overall, he's progressed from a liability to an asset in this phase of the game. Last season, I credited Adams as responsible for five touchdowns allowed in coverage with only one interception thrown in his direction. And yeah, I know he didn't have any official picks last year, but that interception was actually in the Buffalo game in which Justin Burris ended up with the pick. But anyway, five touchdowns, one pick targeting Adams last year. But so far this season, he's yet to allow a touchdown, and he's already had two picks thrown in his direction. And in addition to that, I've Adams chartered as lowering his first down rate from 41% last year to 30% this year, a huge improvement, and his yards per target rate from an average kind of 7.5 to a really good 5.7 this year. And I was passer rating allowed this season at a very low 38.2. That leads the team by my charting by far. And as best demonstrated by his doubled rate of passes defended, Adam looks Adams looks much better playing the football. He was close on a lot of plays last year, but he'd find himself tripping at the top of routes or gambling to make plays on the ball and failing. This year, those things aren't happening. And Adams is finding ways to get his hands on footballs and make catches difficult for opponents. In particular, he's done a much better job in man coverage on tight ends. Most of those touchdowns last year were two tight ends that he allowed. But over the first half of this year, 
I've credited Adams with allowing only four catches on 10 targets in man coverage against tight ends, giving up only 67 yards and three first downs on those targets with one interception on those as well. So Adams is definitely not a perfect player. He definitely has some things he can improve on his zone coverage. He does miss a few tackles when he goes low and in the Minnesota game, he had a really questionable effort on a Latavius Murray touchdown. So Adams is not perfect and he's not the best safety in the league yet. Definitely not. But he certainly looks like he's poised to be a star for this team for quite a while. And it looks like the Jets hit on that pick. It's kind of risky to go with a safety with the sixth pick if it's not when your team has so many major needs at quarterback and on the offensive line, an edge rusher. But the Jets went there believing in Adams' versatile potential, his ability to be an all-around force. And he's really close to being perhaps the best safety in the league. Not there yet, but he's close. So there's my top 10 dropping off of the list from last week was Steve McClendon, who's in the eighth spot. I respect McClendon a ton. He's so underrated. Fans do not give him enough credit, but I do think he's on a little bit of a cold stretch. The Jets run defense has cooled down over the past few weeks. I think McClendon is a part of that, but he's also got eight run stuffs in very limited playing time. I'm pretty sure he's around 40% of the snaps this year, about half of Leonard Williams, yet he's got more run stuffs than him. So comparatively, McClendon's definitely been certainly the best run defender on the defensive front. So I, McClendon definitely has a chance to get back in the list at some point this year. But for now, he drops off the list to give Chris Herndon an opportunity to take a spot. So like I said, eventually McClendon could be back. But for now, he takes a backseat. And knocking on the door, this is a section that I have every week looking at a guy or a few guys who have a chance, maybe if they play well the next week, to make an appearance on the list. And right now, I have Daryl Roberts really close to the list after... He had a pretty poor start to the year with his play as a reserve, but he's gotten extended playing time over the past couple weeks due to Tremaine Johnson's injury, and he's been red hot over these past two games. Over these past two weeks against the Vikings and the Bears, I've credited him for allowing only 111 yards and four first downs on 20 targets. So that culminates in pretty dazzling numbers of 5.6 yards a target, 20% first down rate, Those are really, really good numbers for an outside corner. So we'll see if he can keep this up because he did struggle earlier in the year when he wasn't getting as extended playing time. But if he can keep this up, he's easily going to make up for those earlier struggles. And he absolutely will make an appearance on this list. We'll see how long Tremaine Johnson is out and Roberts continues to start in his absence. But even once Johnson returns, if Roberts keeps playing this way, the Jets might have to find a way to get him on the field for extended snaps as a reserve maybe throw him in the slot where buster screen has been struggling maybe try him out there maybe just get him in for a few snaps a game for some rest for claiborne or johnson but over the past couple weeks what roberts has given the jets has been extremely positive and i think you look at what the jets have done the past couple weeks against the vikings the defense kept them in most of that game and against the bears i don't think the jets did too well defensively against the bears they benefited from a lot of mistakes by Mitch Trubisky and that offense. I actually think they're better against the Vikings. But anyway, the past couple of games, the Jets defense has kept them in the game for with the offense struggling as much as they did. And I think Roberts has been the biggest reason the defense has done that over the past couple of games. So we'll see how Roberts does this week against Miami and if he can keep this hot stretch of play going. 
into the second half of the season. So there you have it, my top 10 Jets over the first half of the season. And that'll do it for this inaugural episode of the Gangrene Nation podcast. Thanks a lot for listening in. As I mentioned a ton early on, I'm really excited to get this podcast going. I bring you guys a lot of great stuff at the site at gangrenation.com. And I'm really, really pumped to bring it here in podcast form. So Stay on the lookout for the podcast at least once, hopefully a couple times every week. But you can follow me on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania. You can keep up with my writing at Gangrene Nation. Plenty of times each week, I'm always putting up great stuff there. So thanks a ton for listening in. Jets and Dolphins this Sunday, huge game for the Jets, trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. And this has been the Gangrene Nation podcast. Thanks a ton for tuning in. This has been the Gangrene Nation podcast. Make sure to follow Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nanya and keep up with everything Jets at GangreneNation.com. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.